again, the Neon Genesis Evangelion Rewatch Podcast. I am Mike Kelly. And I'm April Lynn Cowett. Today we're going to be talking about episodes 17 through 19. So yeah, it's a, it's a, this time it's been for real. It's been a little bit uh, since we last it's been recorded. What, two weeks, um, three weeks? Two or three weeks at this point. You've been off on adventures to uh, Indianapolis. Uh, mm-hmm, spent a uh, mm-hmm. week at Gen Con, which I'm very jealous about, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, you could go. I well, I could, but uh, I I actually went to a local game convention this weekend to make up for it. Uh, oh so yeah, re- that's right. You told me that. Yeah, yeah. I I saw a neat little board game that has to do do with brewing tea. Which okay, uh, is it called Chai? No, it is not. Um, oh, because I just met the designers of Chai. Oh, okay. Is it? This was like uh, tea and like fortune telling mix or something mm. like that. I have no idea. I haven't played any games about tea so <laughs> yeah so before i left gen con we watched these super happy episodes of evangelion and then i came back and had to rewatch them yeah i and, I, uh, I did the same to refresh in the my midst memory of the post con blues i thought i was better by the time i watched them i was not yeah this these are <laughs> rough episodes like these are, so I've been watching or I've been following some people who have been going through their own rewatch thing. And like, this is the point where a lot of it starts like breaking down for them. And it's just like, wow, that was horrible. It couldn't possibly get worse than that. Oh, no, it does in the very next episode, uh, which we're going to cover today. Uh, but, I'm just hoping that next week they turn happy again. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, we're we're heading into what we call the bitter end here, so uh, it's going to be a little bit rough from here on out. But let's get into it uh, because okay. uh, best way to deal with this is, uh, I guess, just to rip off the band aid pretty hard here. <laughs> we will we will commiserate. So I have to say for our listeners that Mike, after he had watched, I think the first episode, uh, yes. some of these episodes, then messaged me, was like, holy crap. Yeah. I had to go just take a walk, and I don't take walks. Yeah. Th- this, <laughs> I love when a piece of media can do that, but I was not expecting this. Like, I, I mean, I remembered vaguely the 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 uh, the plot points of these episodes, the beats of these episodes, and even... 20 years later, knowing what happens, I still had to just like, oh, God, uh, there's going to be a thing in in the second episode. I'll just read out part of my notes because it's basically a descent <laughs> into madness at some point. So, yeah, uh, we're, uh, we start off with episode 17, which is the fourth to be qualified or fourth child. And this is the episode where um, it's basically the first half of a two parter, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, that deals with Toji uh, becoming the fourth uh, Evangelion pilot, much to the surprise of everyone, including him, I think, to some degree. Um, Definitely. There's a lot going on in these episodes, and I think we're going to get into you know a lot of Toji's stuff. But one thing I wanted to talk about just with regard to this is that like this is the first episode where I really felt that it felt – it felt like a post-apocalypse. Like it felt like we were living in a world that has been like, it is post second impact. Like there's been a massive change, but this is the first one where I've really felt it because 
you see a lot of the normalcy that like Toji kind of exemplifies like him in class rep uh, having these like little moments where it's just, you know, it's kids, you know, falling for each other and one Mm -hmm. being somewhat oblivious and it's very cute and very sweet. And there's just like, this world does not allow that anymore. Like this world is now way more, brutal it's way more like these kids don't have a chance to be kids anymore mm-hmm. toji has been called in to be the fourth pilot and it, it, he's immediately like like he changes almost instantly like from mm-hmm. happy-go-lucky to very you know he has to deal with the consequences of a lot of serious things um there's actually a scene um that kind of bleeds in that i that kind of jumped to mind is a uh, it's when class rep and, and Asuka are on the, uh, like looking over a balcony or something. I forget exactly where they were. I think but... they're on this roof of the school, maybe. Yeah. I mean, all these like vistas are like weirdly urban, like mixed together. So you can't really mm-hmm. tell. Right. Uh, but there is a shot of a, an empty sandbox. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you had a, a somewhat different read on that, on like the significance of that. My read was that it was like it's an it's an empty sandbox. There is a little shovel and a little pail in there, but like there's no kids there. Mm-hmm. Like it's still like it's very it's abandoned. Like mm-hmm. all the things you would expect to see in a quote unquote normal city are not here. And part of it's due to Tokyo Three, but you know Tokyo Three is like largely abandoned, but. No, like, there's no child happiness in this world. Like, there's no innocence in this world anymore. It's it's really become almost Hobbesian in a weird kind of way. Like, everybody is trying to make do with what they have and survive in a way that they haven't before. And especially when you add in to the fact that, like, you know, these kids are kind of the last thing that are innocent in this world. And, like, this is being snatched away from them that makes this makes you realize that like, you know, it's not just going to be a happy, there's not going to be a happy ending here. The world has, has been forever changed and we're living in the fallout. So I know you had a different read on that, that particular sandbox scene though. Um, What was your, what was your take on that? Just in the context of everything else that was going on. Uh, So that particular image to me just kind of signified like loss of innocence Mm -hmm. um, and, Kind of that that line between the the girls are still they're still dealing with fairly innocent things crushes and boys and whatnot but also like you mentioned there are no children there mm. um, and part of that is it's sunset like practically speaking there wouldn't be children there it also just serves to as a visual reminder of that. Yeah, that innocence that is in the process of being taken away and about to be. Yeah. I mean, you, you make the point, it, yeah, it was sunset. And it's like, this is a world that's kind of in its sunset as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, I mean, you know, practically the kids aren't there. But like, also, like, it's very like, there's very much a lack of a future or the future is only darkness in that kind of yes. sense. I find it very interesting that you think this is the first time that it felt post-apocalyptic, because for me, from the very beginning, it felt that way. Uh, but it definitely feels more so, like this is a moment that it is reinforcing that feeling um, 
you know, all the scenes with class rep and Toji mm. are, again, sunset. She is preparing meals as the sun goes down. She's talking to him as the sun goes down. It's very much this feeling of ending mm. that I get. No, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. Like, the... I mean, we, I mean, we know we've been living in a post-apocalyptic world, but it's been like there, there have been hijinks along the way. Like, there's still like moments of optimism here mm-hmm. that, like, you know, we're winning the war or we're winning the uh, the battles here. We had a we had a giant robot fight set to music. I mean, there's there's moments where it's, it's like you know, okay. It's not necessarily optimistic, but it's not dire. And here it feels dire. Mm-hmm. Here it feels like the world is wounded. You know, despite that, humans, even with this world as wounded as they are, are looking to grasp onto what they can. It actually ties into a conversation that Gendo and Fuyutsuki have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a scene oh, of them yeah, definitely. where they're going around. I think they're traveling like on a, like a, a, a train around Tokyo 3. Again, these two, again, uh, weird friends in a way um like with dueling philosophies but uh gendo having this sense of that um you know men created cities because they're cowards because they fear i forget how he says it exactly but they fear the dark or they fear the danger outside mm-hmm. and fiyutsuki is just like yeah no we're survivors that's what we do like you know and we find our joy where we can in a lot of ways and gendo is way more nihilistic about it he's mm-hmm. way more uh, pessimistic about humanity. He doesn't see a lot of good in humanity. He sees them as desperate, like scrabbling for whatever they can. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fiyuski just kind of has this view of like, people are generally good. Like, you know, yeah, there's a lot of horrible shit out there, but we're doing the best that we can with it. And like that really parallels what's going on with class rep and Toji. Like, it's childlike love. They don't even like, they're not consciously doing it. Like they're doing what, you know, every other kid at that age does, but they are doing it in such a way. It's hope that it's hope in a hopeless world. It's, it's, it's something that is, I use this word a lot, but it's heartbreaking because you know, nothing good's coming of this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's perfectly natural reactions for these folks. And they're not going to, quote unquote get together or like even have the chance to explore that it's going to be pretty fucking rough right that's just the appetizer for how depressing this this show will get (laughs) Uh, um so my thing that i'd like to speculate a little bit about was what makes one a good candidate for being an eva pilot hmm because so in this episode in particular, um, or the next one, um, I guess the beginning of the next one, we have Kensuke who wants to be an EVA pilot. Yeah. He wants nothing more than to, to pilot one of those giant fighting robots. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, as we've said, the military otaku of the two yeah. of them. And Toji, who is chosen, wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, he and both of them have seen exactly what being a pilot does to Shinji. And yet of the two of them, he's the one who actually internalizes it, um, mm-hmm. partly because of his sister, I think. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he understands the weight of that in a way that Kensuke doesn't. And so for him to be told he's going to be a pilot is 
earth shattering. So why, once we find out in one of the other episodes in this that we're going to be talking about today, we find out that all of Shinji's classmates are candidates to become pilots. Yeah. Uh, fourth level candidates. So, you know, any of them could be picked. We also find out that the Marduk Institute, which theoretically is finding these children, doesn't exist. Yeah. And that the people choosing the pilots are none other than Gendo and Mitsuko. Mm-hmm. So why do they pick him? I mean, there's all these little weird, ironic things that Toji says, like, you know, man, you evidently pilots are really weird. Like, do you all have to be so weird? And he says that and it's just like, oh, come on. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, Toji, you're, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. getting very close to it. I don't know. Like, this can kind of feed into the idea that, like, Evangelians are, like, two halves of a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you need the pilot, who is the, the stand-in for the soul, and the Evangelion, which is the body. And maybe you need a broken person or, mm-hmm. like, quote-unquote, half a person uh, to fill that. So maybe that's the thing. Yeah, that's definitely part of my theory is that there needs to be – because out of all the classmates – he is the one that is probably the most broken outside of Shinji. Mm. Um, you know, his sister has been in the hospital since the incident, however long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Um, probably months ago at this point. Probably, Did they ever give yeah. us a timeline? No, it's very vague, uh, but at least a couple of months. Yeah. You know, why not pick somebody who clearly wants to do it unless... There's something about being broken and in distress that makes one a good EVA pilot. Uh, No, no. I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Kensuke because maybe his eagerness is disqualifying. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, clearly he's a a huge military otaku. He skips school to go see a battleship. I mean, come on, Kensuke. Uh, Except that Asuka is extremely eager. So what makes her different? That's a valid point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, she definitely does. I mean, and and she is also broken in her own kind of way. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the determining factor. Yeah, I didn't actually think about that. Yeah, so I'm not sure. But then there's the question of just how are they getting their information at all? Because it's Mm. not like Gendo and Ritsuko are visiting the classroom, as far as Mm. we know. We don't see any cameras you know, maybe we just haven't seen them because it hasn't been the right time in the show to show us that there are cameras. Mm. You know, is the only way they know about them through Ritsuko visiting Masato's apartment and getting to know who Shinji knows? Well, I mean, I think there's certainly so, there's some kind of surveillance going on on some level. Um, I, I think it is I Ray think spying it's this on them. Ray could be spying on them and reporting back. Maybe that's why she keeps missing class. Mm-hmm. Um. It's in this episode that Kaji says to Misato, what was it, like Order 707 or something like that? Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, Shinji's school. Like, clearly the military's involved if they have a code name for, like, all these, uh, right. this group of pilots. So they have to be monitoring them somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but what makes these kids particularly adept at at it? I'm I'm, I'm not certain. It, it could be because they're somewhat broken, but that could just be because this, this show is about broken people, or maybe the act of piloting in Eva kind of breaks you a little bit. Right. Um, Toji is relatively well-adjusted until he gets told he has to pilot an Evangelion, and then he's just 
off in his own world for the rest of the next episode or three. And mm-hmm. I mean, certainly he's seen the power that like those Evangelions have and how it affected Shinji, uh, like a friend of his. Uh, and he gets to see Ray, how Ray lives. And she's clearly not all right. Uh, as compared to Toji's normal exam, uh, mental example of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing that really comes to mind is that if you're dealing with adults, maybe they're a little bit more set in their ways. Like, the kids are a little bit more malleable. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of shape them a little bit more and maybe that helps them sync with the Evangelions. I'm kind of speculating here. Um, it is very strange. So I partly understand why they would need a child to pilot, but why mm. that, why the specific children that they choose? Yeah. Because it's not as if they are doing testing on them. Like, you know, the Marduk Institute, would lead you to believe that they're testing the children and that happening with the children that Mm. are in Shinji's classroom. So there's some criteria that they're using to pick which ones out of the final candidates. I mean, ostensibly like, yeah, the Marduk incident was a, like a veneer of legitimacy to like, Oh yeah, we're testing this, but like, it really is well nerve, but basically Gendo and Ritsuko just choosing. And if there is criteria for this, what is it like? I, I mean, right. you know, could yeah. <laughs> I think the answer is we don't have enough information yet, um, and maybe we won't. I know you have read a little bit ahead of me, so you have a little bit more information than I have. Yeah, um, I, I so but, I do know a little bit about it. Like, I definitely know some. Well, don't tell me. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything from uh, coming up. Um, but as much as I know, there are still gaps in that knowledge. Like there's still gaps mm-hmm. of like, you know, I know the basic idea of why these kids, but I don't mm-hmm. know, for example, well, I'm not going to get into it into that. Cause I may okay. actually reveal something. Uh, Deal. So was there anything else uh, in this episode? Well, one thing that we could talk about is, um, so Ray is absent from class mm-hmm. and the, the guys, Toji and Shinji go to bring her assignments to her. Yeah. And there's an incident where Shinji, you know, her apartment is always, as always, a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shinji just goes into the mode of cleaning up after her. Yeah. Uh, which happens immediately after Asuka has yelled at him for not basically being his house mother. Yeah. And making his meals for her. Yeah. Or making her meals for her. Um, so... That in itself is interesting that he doesn't think about caring for Asuka, but mm-hmm. does immediately think about, you know, caring for Rei. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her reaction. So I that whole scene, I started thinking of more things. For instance, what are all these pills that are always sitting on her, yeah. the, her counters that she's taking? Thinking about how if Gendo really cared about her, he would care that she lives in squalor. Mm. So that shows that even that affection is false. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Gendo. Well, I mean, yes, he would care, I think. But like, I don't think Ray even wants comfort. Like, I, I, I like if you put her up in a kind of a lavish, uh, you know, well-appointed apartment, I don't think she'd care. This isn't to excuse Gendo in any capacity. Right. right. Uh, like, 
he's clearly using her. And there's some scenes in this where he's very, very clearly using her for various things. Like, um, I think it's this one where she's in the tube in the middle of that weird friggin' space. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, he's, yeah, that's a weird thing. I, yeah, I don't even know what to read into that. I mean, my, my only real read is that like, you know, Gendo is just kind of watching. It's a little creepy because I think Ray is naked in that tube. Yeah. And it's, he's just looking very, very dispassionately. It's not creepy per se. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, ascribe anything to Gendo, but it's very unsettling that mm-hmm. like he's just completely at ease. He doesn't think of her as anything. Right. Um, although he does say like, okay, let's eat or something like that after that. But even then he's talking about it in reference to himself, like let us go eat. Cause I am hungry kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know about that. That was a, that's a weird interchange right there. Okay. You're done doing whatever nefarious thing I need you to be doing right now. Let's go get food now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's this very weird interplay between very bizarre and very normal yeah. interactions. I guess even the weird becomes routine when you've done it enough. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what's doing that. But even then, like, after that exchange, and I, I couldn't read this reaction at all, Ritsuko is standing behind Gendo, and she is just, she looks furious. Or not furious, but, like, she's just staring daggers at the back of his head. And I'm I'm just like, is she angry at him? Why is she angry at him? Is, does she not want Ray to be used in this way? Well, there are, there's another moment in one of these three episodes, too, where she gives a glimpse of what's going on inside her mind, which we don't get much of, generally, where somebody makes a comment, they shouldn't be messing with what they don't know, mm. or what they don't understand, and she thinks mm. the same could be said for the Evas. Yeah. Was that with um, Gendo? I'm trying to remember that scene. In uh, no, it wasn't. It was... Um, it might have been, he might have been there. It was in the scene where they are discussing the disappearance of the second branch. Right, right. I remember that. I got a weird, like, nuclear scare vibe from that. Like, mm-hmm. in a weird, like, a while back I watched Akira, and, like, you know, mm. Akira is not about nuclear weapons, but it's totally about nuclear weapons. Science opening Pandora's box, you know, from the Japanese perspective, like, and this is like, it happens in Nevada, like the the nuclear test site, like, it clearly Mm -hmm. has echoes of that. So there is certainly a a certain kind of uh, almost political critique. But at the same time, yeah, that kind of, she may feel the same way about Gendo as well. Like that he's, he's meddling with powers he cannot possibly comprehend. And he's definitely ignoring her recommendations more, maybe, I don't know if more frequently, but um, I think maybe that's starting to get to her too. For instance, with the W plug system, which we'll get to in a bit, you know, and she says, but they're not ready yet. There's still problems. And he says, that's irrelevant. We we need to just do it. So actually let's move on to the next episode. Um, Sounds good to me. Because like, you know, we're kind of like bleeding into it a little bit because this is Mm -hmm. basically a two parter. Um, right. and, uh, so yeah, like one of the themes, so the next episode is episode 18, uh, life and death decisions or ambivalence, which this is such a vague title. It could be referring to 10,000 different things in this episode. Mm-hmm. 
But yet, one of the things that's really kind of surprised me in this current arc over the past uh, uh, five or six episodes has been Ray, And mm-hmm. it's really been how she's... Like, maturing is too strong a word, but maybe it's more like awakening. Like, she's beginning to see herself. Mm-hmm. And just in these little, little ways that, like, you know, they're building to something, it feels. Like, she doesn't... At the end of this, she doesn't really... Uh, like she's still Ray. She's still like this very weird girl doing strange things in the you know secret projects in the in the basement of Nerve. The th- I mean the thing about it is that there's these little moments. Like for example, um, in the previous episode uh, when Toji and uh, uh, what's his face Shinji Shinji mm-hmm. the main character um, <laughs> when they go to Ray's apartment uh, mm-hmm. and you know. Shinji's cleaning up and all that, and she just walks in first, kind of like, okay, whatever, there's people in my house, very blasé about it. But then she sees that Shinji has cleaned, and mm-hmm. she just, she actually has a, 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 again, another rare visible reaction where she blushes and says thank mm-hmm. you, almost without thinking about it. Right. Which... That seems normal. Like, that seems like a normal reaction for someone to have, well, I mean, it's not for But not for her. Yeah, but not for her, but it, but more especially than not for her, she then like there's a shot uh, shortly afterwards where she's in bed and she's kind of agonizing over that. Like, why did I say thank you? Like, I never even said thank you to him. And there's a shot of Gendo's glasses. Like, right. She's she's becoming more natural. Like, she's able. She's more comfortable in her own skin. It feels like as a social being, as a connected being. Like, to you and me, that's a very, you know, like, uh, yeah, like, okay, oh, thank you. Like, you know, someone does something, like, but this is the kind of person who, she didn't even say thank you when Shinji saved her from the burning entry plug, because she didn't know what to say. Right. She's beginning to understand that she is connected to others, and this is kind of a theme in her poem. You know, there's there's other rays that exist in others. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also, and I don't know... Why? But like, there's a moment after in this episode where uh, not Kensuke Toji is um, up on a roof, and he's just kind of lost in thought because he's been uh, he's been assigned an Evangelion, mm-hmm. and the person that reaches out to him is Ray, and even she doesn't know why she's there. Like, but she sees someone in pain, and she reaches out to try to alleviate it. Yeah, well, what's interesting about that is Toji tells her why she's, you know, upset about it. He says, it's Shinji you're worried about. Mm. And she's just taken aback. like. And then she says, I guess that's true, maybe. And he mm. says, it is. So he sees that she has some affection for Shinji at this point mm. more be before she sees it. So that level of self-awareness isn't quite there yet, but it's interesting to see her discovering what her feelings mean. You know, being able to label those emotions as other people drag it out of her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, she clearly doesn't understand it enough to to like put voice to it, but to, but Toji can, which is. Also, kind of strange considering how oblivious Toji is to class rep. I I can sort of chalk that up to like 
he's got a lot on his mind. You know, his sister being hurt, he's now an EVA pilot and all that. But the fact that he's got the emotional maturity to actually recognize what Ray is going through. I don't know if he's as oblivious as you think. I think that he, he starts figuring it out, especially by the very end of this three-part episode mm. arc. He seems to have figured out a little bit what their connection is started to look like. And it's not like he would have had much time to think about that while he was unconscious. So mm. maybe I am reading him too much. I'm I'm still thinking of the old Toji, maybe to some degree of like, you know, he's just kind of this big oblivious masculine oaf, but um, maybe he does actually have a good head on his shoulders. I mean, he, I mean, he, he manages to get his sister into better medical facilities for one. So even if he's going to go through hell, he's going to get the best deal possible. Uh, Unless they offer that, and that's their uh, that's their bargaining chip, mm. and they made the suggestion to him. Actually, that's yeah, it could very well be. Yeah, because Ritsuko does mention something like, "Yeah, his sister is in the hospital" or something. Well, like she that. says that he agreed on the condition that they. He said he would do it if they transferred his sister to HQ. She definitely made it sound like his idea, mm-hmm. but. Knowing that Ritsuko's definitely hiding things. Yeah. Uh, I would not put it past any of them to twist that tail to make it, them sound like the good guys. Yeah, I mean, Ritsuko is... You can't tell what where the lies and the truth begins. Like, she's even bold-faced lying to Masato when they both know they're lying, that she's lying. And yeah. Man. That relationship is getting more and more frayed, and... Something's going to snap, I think, at some point. But Oh, for sure. Uh, but actually, sorry, real quick. One last, one last point on Ray. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, this kind of culminates in, like, I'm not sure if it's the fight in this episode or the fight in the next one. The, uh, Ray and Oscar are fighting off, uh, fighting an angel. And I think it gets by Oscar, overpowers Oscar, or something like that. And it gets into Ray's line of fire. And she hesitates. That's the second. That's this episode that we're talking about that's right this here. This episode, like, yeah, she. I mean, she knows what's in that. She knows Toji is in that. In that mm-hmm. uh, Evangelion. But think about how Gendo has kind of conditioned Ray to be an item, to be a tool, to mm-hmm. be a weapon. Oh, absolutely. And the fact, just the fact that she she thinks about it before she does something. Like it's a very small gesture, and she she ends up getting uh, uh, you know losing the battle because of it. Uh, she gets knocked out in some capacity. Um, the angel infiltrates her arm, and Gendo orders it amputated. We'll we'll, we'll get to that because I got some fucking choice words for Gendo on that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the fact that like you know Gendo gave her an order and she didn't immediately follow it and didn't you know. She would normally follow Gendo's orders with a smile. Like, right. And the fact that she's becoming more and more human is like, it's, it's, a, it's a new factor for Gendo and Nerve, certainly. But the fact that she is starting to um, become a person, like, mm-hmm. I, I really want to see what happens with her as she fo- more fully awakes into that and gets more comfortable with that. Because she's going to have some fascinating perspectives on things. Um, yeah, I wonder if her becoming more self-aware 
is actually putting a little bit of a kink in Gendo's plan. Mm. You know, hers is the personality that he chose to upload into the dummy plugs, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. I think he was counting on her being mindless drone, for lack of a better term. And she is not that anymore. I mean, the the closest parallel that comes to mind when thinking about that is that um, I have have seen people in abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. And... Like they they completely and utterly suppress their ego uh, in front of their uh, their abuser, mm-hmm. and you know, like the the person the abuser controls them in a lot of ways, like you know, right. orders food for them or, or something like that. And Ray has been that willingly for quite some time. Oh, absolutely. And now she is beginning to understand that there is a world beyond her abuser. And that she may she may even be recognizing it as abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the parallels that could very easily be going on here is that Ray has been depressed for like the the allegory of her being depressed and then beginning to wake up like almost like uh, uh, she's gotten the right dose of antidepressants uh, and she's finally beginning to understand where she is in the world. And Gendo fucking hates that. Because um, he doesn't have control over her, but she's beginning to live life again. Not mm. that she ever did before, because we don't know really what she was before that. But it is right. an allegory for that, or a, an allegory, a metaphor. Just as Shinji has been coming out in his own way, so has Ray, and um, and all that entails. <laughs> um. So yeah, you said you wanted to talk about the dummy system. Um. Before we yes, get to the, the climax about- of this episode, let's get to the dummy system. Mm-hmm. So the dummy system is uh, presumably a, um, I'm not sure if it's a, like, so they show an actual dummy plug, Mm -hmm. but they also show that it can be used with a plug that a pilot is already in. So Mm -hmm. I guess he also programs the normal plugs to have the dummy system in them. Yeah, I, I don't really I, understand how that works. I, I think he explicitly at one point refers to them as a backup for the pilots. Right. Yeah. And so my, I was wondering, okay, is this dummy plug system, is this, has this been part of his master plan all along? Because we we know he has a master plan. Mm-hmm. Seely has a master plan, which kind of coincides with his, but mm-hmm. he clearly has more of a plan than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this dummy plug system part of that plan or is that something is a backup for him as he realizes that human pilots are too unreliable. And so he'd better come up with something else Mm -hmm. to, as a substitute. Gendo is very much a person who's interested in cutting down, cutting out all risk. And uh, Ray was his first attempt at that probably to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And the dummy system is just an extension of that. I think I'm not sure if it's necessarily, I mean, it could be a, I mean, do they mention, the dummy plug in the context of like, did Seely order this or are they aware of this? Or I can't remember precisely. I don't remember either. Yeah. I mean, either way it's, if you're, if you think about it, like if you're facing like, it, it, like if you're in a war, like you want as much redundancy as you can in the system, in your, your weapon systems mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that they still work. And Gendo is, is aware that he's dealing with children to a large degree. 
Right. But if he wanted a completely dispassionate process, then he would have gone with the completely automated mm. robots that the uh, the rival organization created. Mm. I mean, obviously he wants the, the Evangelions as part of his plan, the half-machine, half-beast, um, and he needs a way to control them. Mm. Yeah, the dummy plug is just fascinating to me because it still involves human personality. Mm -hmm. It needs human personality to work, but it doesn't involve human compassion. Yeah. That is taken out of the equation. Yeah. I think he says it mimics a personality. It doesn't say anything about emotions or anything like that. Uh, to yeah. It basically convinces the Eva that there's a pilot there. Yeah. And the other thing I've been thinking about is that the Magi, Magi computers, mm. um, use the same technology mm. where they have a personality imprinted into them. Uh, but there's three of them. And they, so they have a internal conflict built into them as mm. Ritsuko said. Um, so is that because there's three of them or is that inherently built into any of this? So is that sort of conflictedness also built into the dummy plug system? I, I mean, I guess I view the dummy plug system as like the, the, the Magi are three parts of a single personality. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Ritsuko's mom. The dummy plug is one aspect of one person's personality. Mm -hmm. um, and it has to, but I think it functions in the same way as, or it may function in the same way as the Magi where uh, I think Ritsuko says the Magi like, you know, they deliberate independently and then they essentially vote uh, on a course mm -hmm. of action. In this, it's actually, it could be just that uh, the dummy plug and the Evangelion itself are two parts like in dialogue with each other. And I think that personality and I don't even know what's, cause I don't know what part of it is in the Eva. Like, mm -hmm. Is it like because I think we've had allusions to it's like it's also a similar kind of program that's in the the Evangelion, but I mean maybe it functions in that same that same like you know they negotiate back and forth, um, but mm -hmm. when it's one on one if you have a tie like nothing happens and that actually happens in the third episode maybe it doesn't say it explicitly but like you know the Eva is rejecting the dummy plug, right? So is there something that the dummy plug? is missing or is by design lacking, I guess is the question. And is it mm -hmm. that emotional uh, contour of the human brain? Was there anything we el else we wanted to talk about on this episode? I mean, I feel like we're completely ignoring the major plot point of the episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, that's the thing in this episode. And I've, I've kind of been putting it off because like, uh, all right, I'm just going to do this. Like, so I was taking notes uh, near the end of this. So basically what happens is that uh, the um, uh, Toji's Evangelion is taken over by an angel. And it basically is, is advancing on nerve, takes out Asuka, takes out Rei, and then is basically choking Shinji. Um, uh, basically to death. And like Shinji is willing to die. And 
Gendo over he cuts Shinji's synchronization, activates the dummy plug system, mm-hmm. takes direct control of Eva O One, and then just f- brutalizes uh, the Evangelion that Toji is in, Ju- just ripping it apart. And and this is this is what I wrote once this started happening. Um, <laughs> so. Smiling as the dummy plug takes over. That's Gendo. And then, like, this is just stream of consciousness. This is horrible. Oh my god. Shinji is forced to see this. I can't fucking watch this. Oh my god, that scream (laughs) from Shinji. And then, I don't want to watch any more Evangelion right now. (laughs) It is just... It is torture. Like, and, and, like... Shinji is forced to watch this. Like, he, like, Gendo is brutalizing Shinji by forcing him. Like, Shinji doesn't even know who it is at this point. He, like, doesn't know, know it's Toji. He knows it's another human being, though. And. Right. And, th- and that's just, like, you know, that's enough for Shinji. He doesn't like death. He doesn't like seeing this. And. Basically, Gendo is grabbing his head, forcing him to look at it and say. Look at this. This is what you are doing. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to do. And I just fucking couldn't. Like Shinji is screaming <laughs> this entire time, and it. I mean, it is abuse. Like in every sense of the word, mental, physical, like emotional. And Gendo is. He's usually very dispassionate. He's fucking smiling. He's grinning ear to ear while this is happening. Nothing is mi- nothing mm-hmm. makes him happier than killing angels, I think. I have a slightly different read on okay. that. I don't think it's so much that it's killing the angel. Mm. I think it's him seeing the fruits of his labor, seeing that the dummy plug mm. works, that it works beyond probably beyond his dreams. Yeah. Or exactly like he wanted it to. He's seeing how much... And he's seeing his plans come to fruition uh, with this Eva, the way that it's developing. You know, whatever he has in in store for Eva Mm -hmm. 01, who he's reinforced over and over again is his main Mm -hmm. concern. Or what is his main concern? I guess who isn't the right word for it. Um, I... Things are coming along nicely, and he is stoked. I I would I mean I I would disagree with that read just for the the main reason is like you can get that from a very quick clean kill. Like if if Gendo had um, taken over Eva O One, and I don't know, just used the 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 vibrating knife to just stab the thing in the head or mm-hmm. sever something, he could have done it very quickly and had that same like yes, the dummy plug system works, the plan is still working. But Gendo's in control as he's ripping this thing apart. And, like, he doesn't need to do mm-hmm. this. It's incredibly, uh, like, the other members of Nerve, the, the military people are, like, dry heaving in the control room because they are disgusted right. about what's going on. And these are military people. Mm-hmm. And, like, Gendo's eyes are wide. His pupils are dilated. He's, like, almost, he looks, like, predatory in that moment it just seems to me that it's more than just about killing angels at this point 
that I could definitely. I think it's probably more about killing angels, but I don't know. Maybe he's reveling in the abuse. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there are hidden, hidden motivations for why he's excited about this that have less to do with this is another angel dead, go us, mm. and more to do with this step in my master plan is working out very well, and it involves having an absolutely bestial Eva. Maybe. I mean, considering what happens in the next episode and how, how Jazzy gets over right. that, maybe. It's just very hard in that moment to... to like, people are yelling at him to stop. It, it, like... I don't know. I, I, I for me personally, it was very upsetting. For Shinji, definitely more so. I'm I'm sure, but like, and it was just unnecessary to some degree. Like at one point, he like uh, um, a one pulls out the entry plug and has it in its hand. Like that thing is down. That thing is not getting up again. Like oh yeah, and it just crushes it. And again, Gendo's in direct control mm-hmm. here. I, yeah, I, it, it just turned into this this massive thing where it's like again we talked a little bit about the loss of innocence and the loss of illusion. Uh, like this is war and this is not a happy fucking world anymore. Like this is brutality and pain and anguish. Uh, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, this scene in particular, like these little moments where, um, like I, I remember this happening. Like I remember this plotline happening, and seeing it again, I was, I was like grasping at my throat, like trying to keep from crying, like out of just pure terror. And it's just this is the point where I got up and I walked around the block because I'm just. <laughs> Now, how did it compare? So you say you remember mm-hmm. it. Do you remember what your reaction was when you saw it 20 years ago? I remember it being like, man, Gendo's a dick. Like, but <laughs> like looking at it now, it's not that he's a, just a dick. It is a betrayal. He is literally removing agency from his son and he is yeah. forcing his son to watch it. Like, and again, the abuse uh, overtones here are very strong. Like uh, mm-hmm. he is causing him pain very deliberately, very meticulously, and it's just inhuman. And given mm-hmm. uh, what we've heard from Gendo and his poor view of humanity is like you know cowards skulking around in the dark. Does he feel that he is like more human because he does this? I mean, there are definitely sadists in the world, and a lot of people that like to cause harm on others. Um, and revel in it, and yeah, they think they think yeah. they are right I mean, to do so. Yeah, from a logical point of view, I'm not sure that I disagree mm. with any of Gendo's choices, but it's the dis discompassion isn't a word, but the mm. lack of compassion with which he executes it. For instance, amputating uh, e- Ray's Eva's arm. Um, I think it was necessary. I think that if he hadn't made that call, oh, yeah. when he made the call, 
then the Angel would have infiltrated more. They would have had two rampaging EV units on their hands. But could he have at least shown a little remorse for the agony he put Ray through? Um, And then turning the control over to the dummy plug maybe was necessary because Shinji clearly wasn't going to do anything about this threat and what exactly were they going to do about it otherwise? All their other Evas were out of commission. They had to do something or the the thing was going to be unstoppable and would probably have killed Shinji. Uh, But again, like the lack of compassion with even, even if Masato had been there, she might've been able to, reason with Shinji that, hey, you need to do something about this because, like, it's awful, but... Yeah. I, I mean, to to your point, Shinji himself says that in the next episode that, like, he tried to see it from his father's point of view. And I, th- I think to some degree he understood understands why his father did what he did. You know, like, mm-hmm. if all of humanity is riding on that, you can see... You can see the logic at play. Absolutely. The the only thing is that like yeah he seemed to enjoy it way too much. Oh, absolutely. And I, I I have seen I have seen abusers like use that logic uh, that logic. I'm doing this for your own good, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it just fuck it makes my I don't even know what the right word is here. It's just like I I actually had a visceral full body reaction to this, which is not something that I expected, and. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk about it in therapy. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I don't want to dwell on that too much because like, I, I, I'm, I'm getting okay, more well, inarticulate. Let's move on to the next episode. Huh? Shall we move on to the next episode? Um, well, was there anything else in this one? Or did you have more things? I'm trying to remember because it, it's kind of all eaten up by that thing. Um, uh, but yeah, let's move on. Uh, I feel just because, uh, now we now we deal with the fallout of it. Yeah. Well. So one more mm-hmm. thing. Um, so this whole episode, um, we see a lot of a lot of the characters are upset about the upcoming test of Eva uh, Eva O four. Oh right, is, right, right. Is that right. which one it is or O three? Whichever Eva it is that they brought over. I think over. it's O three. Um. So, you know, so there's that moment when. Kaji walks mm. in and Shinji and Asuka are there on the floor. Well, first of all, Asuka knows exactly who the pilot yeah. is. She has the perfect opportunity to tell Shinji. She chooses not mm. to, which is extremely out of character for her. Is it? Um, well, well, what's your read I on think that? Because she starts to. She starts to tell mm. him. And then changes her mind and just... And not out of huffiness, which would be her normal attitude. It's, I feel like she's trying to protect Shinji too. Hmm. In that moment. Interesting. So it seems like Masato is trying to protect him. Rei doesn't want him Mm -hmm. hurt. And it seems like even Asuka doesn't say anything because whatever. That may be part of it. I I mean, I had a different read on it. I thought it... I have a very low opinion of Asuka, so I, I view her actions probably in a, in a more negative light. I, I thought she was just doing it because she wanted something else to hold over him. Like, I know this and you don't kind of thing. But but thinking about your read, like, 
it very closely parallels the conversation that Misato had with Shinji. Like Misato couldn't tell him because Misato wanted to protect him. Asuka didn't mm-hmm. tell him uh, for, and it may be for the same reason. On it may not even be conscious for Asuka. Right. I mean, we know that Shinji yeah. is loved by the you know his trip into the nether realm uh, a couple episodes back everyone like freaking out about his well-being um Oscar was part of that to be fair yeah but so that whole i guess that was the main thing that i i wanted to bring up was kind of a moment of vulnerability almost for Mm asuka but that entire scene where everyone is upset Mm -hmm. and worried i guess about this upcoming Mm -hmm. test um and toji understands exactly what's going on and yeah it's a a moment that really endeared me to him the way he treated the kids in that moment the way toji did or sorry did you mean kaji uh sorry okay yeah 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 kaji kaji has an arc over these episodes which is very I think I like Kaji again. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> I do. Well, I, mean, I do. I you kind of I have forgiven him for most of his indiscretions because I think that a lot of them are a mask at this point. Like his the Playboy facade. It's like the Bruce Wayne Batman mm-hmm. thing going on. That's his ticket in. Yeah. As long as Nerve thinks he's a frivolous Playboy then he has the free reign of the place. Oh, for sure. Like uh, to a large degree, it is a, 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 for a cover, um, and a very deliberate one, not like a, like, not like a psychological defense. It is like, I'm deliberately putting this up because, uh, to cast off suspicion. I don't know. Like there's still moments where it's like Kaji, like just kind of ruthlessly hitting on the, the, the female tech, and but he knows what's at stake more than most people do. Mm-hmm. The fact that he reveals to Shinji that he reveals to Shinji that if the Eva gets down to the very sub basement of Nerve headquarters and touch, meets Adam, yeah, then that'll be the third impact. Yeah, it's game I over. I think game over. So who else knows that? Seely, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. Gendo, Ritsuko, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and now Shinji. So with those being the stakes, I really can't fault him for using whatever tools he has at his disposal to to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the Gendo argument, like, you know, given the face of the end of the world, I would do anything to stop it. Gendo's methods are more disagreeable than Kaji's to be certain, but like, I can see how you can get into a situation where that is acceptable. I mean, not to say, I mean, Kaji to his credit doesn't, he's not um, malicious about anything that he's doing. He he is like, I'm doing this for the greater good in a sense, but yeah, actually let's just get into it because like, that's oh, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, in this episode and, and kind of like all of the Kaji stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so the next um, episode is uh, episode 19, which is a man's battle slash interjection. Like this is where like th- there's a lot of fallout from the previous episode and all that. Um, and it's 
I don't want to go too deeply into that because it goes how you expect. Shinji fucking hates his dad. Fucking finally. Um, he finally sees his dad for what he is. But but with mm-hmm. regard to Kaji, um, so over these episodes, Kaji has sort of been functioning as a big brother slash father figure to Shinji mm-hmm. in a very different mode of behavior that that we've usually seen Kaji in. Like Kaji as nurturing, Kaji as like empathetic. So there, there's three big moments. Uh, the first is in the first episode where um, he just basically takes Shinji out to see his watermelons. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's not a metaphor. That is actually literally. I was literally... just about to say that. Is, that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> no, no, no. It is. Uh, it is absolutely that. Um, there yeah. is. I think it's so cute that he has a watermelon patch as his hobby. I, I, it's so, str- you don't, ex- like, okay, having a garden, sure, but watermelons, like, that's a, that's a, that's even more a weird thing. I, I, I had a little bit of thought of, like, maybe he's growing watermelons because, like, the climate has changed in such a way that, like, you know, that's what grows there now. So maybe it is Well, more and normal. it's not even above ground. His watermelon patch is in the geofront. Is it in the geofront? Yeah. Huh. I missed that detail. It's still, it's yeah. still above. Wait, it's above ground, though, isn't it? No, no, it has to be because in the third episode, like they're fighting the angels, and like he sees under under the armor that's above the geofront, because the angel has gotten through all the armor and it's now above Nerf headquarters. So there's the geofront, which mm. is the like underground cavernous area yeah, yeah. that Nerf headquarters lives inside of, but it's like. There's hmm. grass and trees down there too, and that's where his garden is. But like, but is that where the people were evacuating to? Because I was under the impression that the geofront was kind of because there's a scene where Shinji is running away from uh, you know the attack and you know crosses Kaji again. But there's other people there, um, like trying to evacuate. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong too, but I'm pretty sure that the angel had gotten through all that armor, mm-hmm. and there are the kind of yellowy orange glow of the inside of the dome is what's in the background. It's been a bit since I watched these. I don't remember. We'll both have to watch it. We again. We both have to see. watch these again. Um, regardless, I, I, where where stay it tuned, is, listeners. It, sorry, say again. I said, "Stay tuned, listeners." Stay tuned. We'll 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 have a corrections corner next time out. <laughs> um, regard, regardless, where it happens is not necessarily key to it, but the fact that it is happening, um, right? There's like there's moments where Shinji, so Kaji kind of guides Shinji through the awakening that he had in like in the previous episode where he had that that heart to heart with himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually, I don't even know if it's with himself, because Seely seems to think that was the angel talking to him. Like, the angel was trying oh, to communicate. Oh, Masato says that's absolutely not true. Who knows? I think she's full of crap. I think she's covering. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's <laughs> protecting Shinji. I mean, it could have been Shinji. The angel could have induced that in Shinji, or could have been actually the angel talking. To- Who knows? Uh, the, 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 the revelations that Shinji get are, again, like, they're no, no less valid. And Right. Kaji tries to walk him through the implications of that because Shinji's clearly having some trouble adjusting. Like his synchronization rates are bottoming out um, because he's very psychologically uh, uh, 
anguishing. That's not a verb. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said that basically, like, you know, she says in this first thing is like, oh, well, you know, make, uh, growing these watermelons is something that I enjoy. Did you find something you enjoy? And Shinji does not say anything, even though in the last episode he told the the other half of himself that he enjoyed piloting the Eva. Mm-hmm. Shinji is very clearly questioning. And then Kaji continues this. Uh, it's in the scene in um, in Misato's place where Shinji and, and Kaji are asleep on separate futons. Like, hey, are you awake? Um, and Shinji asks, like, what is my father like? Mm-hmm. And again, it's another thing that was brought up in that that conversation. Like, you know, you know, you're in pain, or your um, your problems are because of your father. Like he abused you. And Kaji doesn't necessarily say that Gendo's a dick or that or anything like that. But he does like kind of say like, you know, you can never really know anybody. And then he says mm-hmm. some weird thing about women on a distant shore. Um, <laughs> again, this is my struggle with Kashi. <laughs> he goes very profound and then, oh, women are from Venus. Um, well, I mean, to a certain degree, I think he's right that two human beings can't ever fully understand one another mm-hmm. um, due to the nature that so much of ourselves happens inside our heads yeah, and can't be communicated. Yeah, there can, I mean, there definitely can be arguments that women and men just in general tend to think differently. And so I don't think he's trying to be a jerk about it. I think he's speaking out of experience I mean, that's true. And I'm, I, this is also part of the disadvantage of looking back, um, you know, with 20 years of, of growth in, you know, and general thought on, you know, gender politics and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but, you know, in 19, in the nineties, like this would have been a more or less acceptable, uh, point of view or, or, right. or, or generally accepted, not acceptable, um, point mm-hmm. of view. Um, but yeah, to your point, like the fact that like, who can ever really know another, like, that's one of the main themes of this entire show. Like, you know, right. you know, Shinji and his, his hedgehog's dilemma, um, Asuka and not letting people know her. Like, and, right. And absolutely. Ray, we have no idea who she is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, the thing though, that I, that I really liked about these little moments is that Kaji is giving Shinji moments of peace. Like when, like he is, like he's watering his garden. There is sleep in a in a generally silent night. Um, there's been so much tumult in Shinji's life, and Kaji is making space for Shinji to actually contemplate these things. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredibly empathetic move by Sh- by uh, uh, Kaji, because because he, I don't know why he, or I don't know how he knows what Shinji needs so well, but he, but he clearly does. Mm-hmm. Kaji uh, may have had something in his past, um, maybe second impact, which he doesn't really talk about what happened to him, but mm-hmm. clearly had an impact on, no pun intended, had, had some sort of uh, effect on him. It's such a moment that like, you know, when it comes to the point in the third episode where uh, Kaji is able to say to Shinji, like, uh, you know, you need to decide for yourself what you need to do. Like Shinji's able to make that decision because he's had time to process mm-hmm. things. Kaji just becomes this very strange. 
again, I've gone through love hate periods with, with Kaji a lot, but he clearly understands people in a very fundamental way and is able to be selfless in how he acts to help them, which is mm-hmm. very unlike, like he seems to be like, in as much as he may have psychological issues, he seems to be at peace with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas people like Misato, people like Shinji clearly aren't. I don't know. K- Kaji's a weird one, man. <laughs> one Kaji moment that I don't understand is the organizing the cans in the break room. What was, what was strange about that? That one moment there is a pile of cans in the trash can in the break room. Misato walks in. Next moment, there's a perfectly organized trash hmm. can behind him. Well, my read on that was that so the, the 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 messy trash can was like you know when he's kind of like slightly sloppy hitting on the the uh, the tech, mm-hmm. and then when Misato walks in, like he realizes it's time to get serious. So he's like he needs to indicate, in, or I guess maybe even the show needs to indicate, like no, he's actually in control of his faculties. He is not like drunk drunk so mm. he lines it up nicely and then when he tells misato like get serious like uh, uh order 707 or whatever the hell it is like there's weight to that right like like his drunkenness is a clear front uh to that makes like, sense yeah i uh, think maybe what struck me about it is i so i watched these episodes three times mm-hmm. um once to watch them a second yeah. time to take notes on them and then only get through two episodes before Gen Con. Yeah. And then a third time to refresh my memory and finish up my notes. So I didn't notice it until the third episode or the third time of watching that he mm. did that. And it was just kind of a, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> he made the trash pretty? Yeah. It's it's a very subtle thing, but it's uh, – at least that was my read on it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I think more – out of the context of the what are they going for here, it was just a very weird moment. They could have made it a little bit more explicit with what they were trying to say. Um, and I think they do. Like, they may not have even needed that scene, quite frankly. Yeah, um, it, it was just funny. There was one other thing that I wanted to comment on. Oh, uh, are you done talking about Kaji for a second here? I am. Okay. Yes. Great. Oh, boy. Am I so done? I want to backtrack for a second to mm. something that I just find ridiculous and don't understand, which is that teacher in Shinji's classroom literally doesn't teach yeah. them anything except the second impact. I have no idea what's up with that. Is that a second impact history class? Or is he just incompetent? Or do they not actually care about educating the students? Or are we supposed to not notice that? I have so many questions about this teacher. Part of me thinks it may be almost propagandizing. Like he's spreading the 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 false story of what happened, like the meteor impact. Mm-hmm. And like there's movies about second impact, as we saw, which are like, you know, again, right. reinforcing the the cover story. But I don't know why that's all he talks about. <laughs> like it's so weird. Yeah. He- like there's no math, there's no English, they don't have any subject other than second impact. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's, I mean, you could, you could almost understand it. It's like, you know, this is the city where, you know, the angels are attacking again. So second impact has some kind of like 
special meaning for this town. But even then. (laughs) Yeah, I have no answers, but um, I did want to comment on it because it's just so bizarre. It is strange. It's it's, uh, maybe there's deeper meaning to that. We'll find out. But man, I don't I don't know. Uh, So the only thing we haven't talked about yet, really, is the awakening of Eva Unit 01. Yeah, this is... And what that means. There's a book series I read once. um, uh, Rob Jordan's The Wheel of Time. Very good. But in one of the books at the end where, like, a major event happens, like a major, Mm -hmm. major event happens, um, one of the characters is smiling and thinking about a prophecy and it says the time of illusions is at an end Mm, mm -hmm. and this this brought that quote back into my brain because so much of what has been going on with nerve and the evangelians has been this under this very thin veneer of like you know there's something deeper going on here right and this quite literally bursts through and says like Oh yeah, the Evangelion again. Well, even even in this moment, uh, Ritsuko doesn't even try mm. to explain away what's happening when the Eva bursts through its, as we find out, restraints. Mm. She says that she she calls them restraints, and one of the other texts goes, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> and she says, "Yeah, that's not armor. Those are restraints we put on to keep it under control. We no longer have it under our control." Yeah. That she's not even trying to cover up the fact that there's more going on here than anybody knew. Yeah. I mean, in, in one of the things Gendo has said, uh, says after that happens, like, you know, it's beginning um, or something to that effect. Like, you get it. You get the sense of that this was foretold. Like, this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, almost in the uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, yeah. This is part of their plan that is written in that prophecy in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Ritsuko is is read in on that to some degree. And And what's interesting is Kaji, his response to this is amusement. Yeah. And to, like, well, Gendo, was this part of your plan, too? Mm. This is interesting. And he knows what's going on, too. Um, he is not shocked by any of this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's, there's this scene where, uh, I think they're fighting right in the control room. Uh, the Evangelion, uh, like punches the angel, this big splash of blood, it just washes over Gendo and he doesn't flinch. Right. Like he, again, somewhat reveling in it, but, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that, that, the Evangelion unit is finally breaking free and it's, it's eating the angel. It's ca- like, I don't know if they use it, but it, it gets this sense of cannibalization. Um, cause it's eating something. And like, you see when, when the chest plate of Eva 01 gets blown open, it has like that little orb thing embedded in it that you see in other angels. Mm-hmm. Like you're beginning to see that, like it's unrestrained and like, forces are about to take over that that no one is able to control it's almost like nerve was shepherding it to this point and now it's ready to go but there's other things that are occurring here like that are like even just more deeply disturbing like when whenever one has its arm blown off and then it grabs like a hunk of the other of the angel <laughs> holds it to its arm and grows a human fucking arm mm-hmm. like, and then proceeds to 
wander around like an ape. Yeah. Yeah. That like, whole theme of evolution and Adam and first humans is coming into play here again. Yeah. Like, and again, like, you know, it, again, that's why I use the word cannibalize. Cause it's like there, it is like, and like here, um, mm-hmm. animalistic certainly, but like, that's the way it is. There's also another thing that Ritsuko says that, uh, when Eva, uh, Oh one versus restraints, she goes, she's awake. Mm-hmm. Like again, she gendering this thing. Right. And awake saying like, again, this is a thing that we have always known. It is there and it is now beginning to wake up like sync rate at 400%, like, you know, beyond the theoretical maximum and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bizarre thing. Like, this is why, like, you know, this is why like that, that thought of the, like the time of illusions is at an end. Like we're in the end game. Like, mm-hmm. like this is almost, like, again, even calls it the beginning. Uh, Kaji calls it the, the awakening and the liberation, which I don't know like what that, particularly means but like she's free of her restraints certainly but yeah and now what yeah <laughs> what exactly is going to happen now shinji is inside this thing still yeah even if they rescue him then they've got a rogue eva wandering around can yeah. they like tranquilize it what do they do just leave it be um yeah. and i i think you have some answers to these questions that i don't have yet because i don't remember so i'm just throwing all my questions into the air but uh to some degree, I have them. Uh, well, there were a couple things that I had forgotten about that were kind of interesting. Like when in the beginning of this episode, when uh, they scramble Ray, they put Ray into O one because O O doesn't have an arm uh, at that point, and the Eva unit rejects Ray, and then it rejects the dummy plug. Like it, it's refusing. Like it is. It is like straight up. Like I'm not doing. I'm not doing any of this shit. Well, is it refusing or so she's refusing in the first case. She was the one who says this isn't going to work anymore. I think she's recognizing it. I don't think she's she's refusing to comply. I don't think she's refusing to comply, but I think there's something psychological going on where she recognizes that I can't synchronize with this. Oh sure, unit but I think anymore. I think she recognizes the problem is in the Eva unit, not necessarily with her. Gendo says at one point like uh another time when um uh, I think it's actually right after that incident where it's like, he's like referring to Eva 01, like this is a rejection of me. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, that's gotta be the Eva unit. Just straight up saying like, I'm not going to play in your games. Cause I think the Eva unit knows what Gendo fucking did to Toji mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also refusing to play. Like there's a lot going on. I, like again, with this thing waking up, I think this thing has a, a mind of its own. And uh, like it has seen things, and it has mm-hmm. also not been in control of its body. I think that's why Shinji and uh, Eva O One sync so very well together. Like they have seen the same things. Um, so I have a theory that I've been thinking about, and I think I forgot to mention. So at one point in the past, uh, we see there was a scene where Gendo and Ritsuko are standing together, doing something that has to do with an Eva. And she says, I think Mitsuko, Mits, Mitsuro, Misato, Misato. <laughs> all these syllables are starting to, <laughs> man, Misato, I think Misato is starting to catch on. 
And mm. she says, and if Shinji and Asuka ever find out the truth behind the Evas, they will never forgive us. Mm-hmm. So that combined with the fact that the technology behind the Eva includes personality being... So does the Eva itself have a personality, or is it the fact that the dummy plug is the personality that's powering it? I don't know, but I started to wonder, okay, if the Evas have a personality, whose personality did they put into Eva 01? Yeah. Could it have been, and Shinji's mother has been there for him in several occasions when he's inside that unit. Could it be that Shinji's mother's personality is inside Eva 01? I mean, could very well be. I mean, we know the dummy plug is infused, or we—I guess we can—we can conjecture it's infused with Ray's personality because it well, says. Well, we know Ray. that it is because it says Ray on it. Yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> um, and theoretically, I think some of her time in the tube has been prepping dummy plugs, or something. I, I'm not actually sure. Maybe but, who knows? Yeah, who knows what's going on in there? Who that? knows what crazy things are happening down there in the mad scientist lab? Yeah, but I mean, at, at the very least, it's like these secrets are coming forward now. And, like, they will no longer be contained. Whatever Unit 01 is, it's not listening to Gendo anymore. It's not listening right. to Nerve anymore. It right. may be only listening to Shinji at this point, which, like, there's an, there's an added level of shit to drop on Shinji's head. <laughs> God. Just go rampage, take out his dad. It's fine. I, he tried that. He tried that in, in the second episode of this. And, well, I mean... Gendo did just kind of shut it down remotely, but yeah, and so now he, he has no problem. Doesn't need external power anymore. That's true, actually. If this thing can function on its own, it did just eat like the the energy core of an angel, so maybe it can run indefinitely. The energy core of an Eva unit. No, no, no. The it, the angel. It the eat- angel, which was an Eva unit that had been infected by an angel. No, no, the second angel, the one that uh, that. Uh, oh, you're right. Yeah. Never mind. I was thinking that it was... So that's interesting, too, because... So Ritsuku says, is it trying to eat its R2... Or incorporate its R2 drive inside it? What's an R2 drive, and why does an angel have one? Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be something that the Evas can use. Um, And it seems to be, like, again... I don't... don't, I'm I'm not drawing on knowledge I have here, but I think it's the same thing that powers the Eva units, because, Mm -hmm. again, when you see the, the chest plate of O1... Like, it has one of those right smack in the middle of it. Right. Well, and that's the thing that they were talking about, I think, uh, with the disappearance of the second branch mm. uh, and the malfunction. They said that it happened after they were testing the new R2 drive. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. Dangerous, dangerous thing to play with, certainly, and yeah, only a very don't. dangerous thing to fucking eat. But then again, we've seen the other units survive a lot of... Like uh, Ray, like fucking, runs directly at that unit with a with an N two mine, um, and detonates it, uh, and the yeah, Eva survives. I th- does we, it? I think it does. I think they've said that it can survive that. Did Ray survive it? Oh, I don't know. Actually, you I mean, I, I think yet. I think if the Eva survived, like that's probably enough coding to keep her alive. I don't, we'll find out very shortly. <laughs> uh, at the <laughs> dun, very dun, least. Dun, dun. Yeah, there's there's a lot of shit that's going on in this episode, and I, this just feels like it's setting up the end. Like, this is the beginning of all the blinders Absolutely. have been lifted. 
Well, this is what, a uh, 24 episode series? 26. 26. Okay, so we've got seven more episodes to go. Yeah, I mean, the last two kind of notoriously are kind of weirdly abstract and introspective. Five more episodes to go. Five more to go. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the um, man. And then there's End of Evangelion, which is going to be a whole other thing. Uh, Well, there's three movies, right? Well, some of them, I'm not actually sure. Some of them are just kind of remakes of the episodes that we've been watching. Mm, mm-hmm. um, end of Evangelion, I think, happens after the end. I think it's actually called episode 25 and 26 Prime, because they're kind of alternates to that. But right. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to that, I think. Yes, I think that's a good plan. So, April, do you have a favorite moment from these episodes? I mean, it's kind of a cavalcade of fuck. So I but... think we should just read our show notes <laughs> on this. Yeah, this this that makes the most sense. I think. <laughs> uh, I will start. Uh, what what was my favorite moment? I just wrote down Jesus fucking Christ, That's and I it. wrote no favorite moment, all in caps. <laughs> and then I put a few few notes after that, but um, yeah, in- including I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> I did also say I don't want to watch anymore. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. don't think any of these moments were fun. Although I will say there was some great animation and oh, yeah. some great cinematography in these episodes. Oh yeah, we didn't uh, even talk but about they, that. Yeah. And by the third time, some of the shock had had dissipated, but uh they're still not happy episodes. No. <laughs> they're not fun episodes. For me, my favorite moments were, as you were talking about, all the moments of gentleness. Yeah. The moments with Toji and class rep. The moments with Kaji and Shinji. Yeah. Uh, the moment where Kaji shows up mm. at Masato's side after she's been in the midst of the explosion of the um, the U- American EVA unit. Mm-hmm. Um, those touch points of humanity in the midst of what is becoming a more and more brutal world yeah. uh, were my favorite moments. Yeah. I mean, those are the things that you cling to like in the face of all this fucking torment and destruction, you have to find those moments of kindness and hope. Like, and that's what they're, I think not just for us watching it, but I, I mean, the people in the actual story, like caring is what really, you know, God, I sound like a freaking Saturday, uh, Saturday morning cartoon, but like <laughs> those moments of caring and connecting to each other, like that is the value and that is what makes us human. Yeah. Even like another moment of tenderness, just like, I, I don't know why, but it was like the moment where um, Toji is being pulled out of the entry plug by some uh, uh, EMTs. Mm. It's like, and he's battered and, and bloody and they're still treating him very, very gently. Like he may have been, in the middle of an angel, but like he's still human and mm-hmm. we still care about him. So, yeah. Uh, so what are you looking forward to? I think right now what I'm, the only thing I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> mm. because there's not really a lot to look forward to at this point. It's only going to get worse and worse. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how Masato handles all this because she has more and more been proving to me that she is resourceful and intelligent and, is not going to stand up for too much more of this. Yeah. So I want to see the moment where she finally snaps and starts going off script more than she already has been. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm. I mean, I think she, she's kind of been nudged down this path by Kaji a lot. And yeah, I'm not looking forward to the moment where she feels the full weight of the betrayal by Ritsuko. Yeah, which I can see coming. But I am looking forward to seeing more of her attempting to find answers and save the day. I don't know if she's going to find like the, like the thing I'm looking forward to is, is, is very similar. Like I'm looking forward to these characters finding the truth, like, you know, mm-hmm. finding um, not necessarily what's going on, but like, again, all the blinders are off. Misato especially has been pushed down this path and she's going to find out what's going on. Um, kind of almost like a proxy for, for us in a, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. I think the truth they find is going to be very, very hard to deal with and very hard to face. And I, I say this and I don't remember. I really hope they come out okay. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know vaguely the big beats, but I, I don't remember the specifics of what happens to, like, say, for example, Masato. Uh, but I don't either, but I, I think the answer to that is nothing is going to be okay. No, I mean, no. <laughs> if we're honest, it's going to be a shit sandwich uh, from here on out. Yep. And then we will go and find some nice happy anime to watch. Yeah, I actually got referred to uh, to some stuff recently, so it'd be nice to I look at that. I spent yesterday, after watching my episodes, watching My Little Pony. That is a good... <laughs> as, a, as a former brony, I guess. Um, yeah, that is the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so let's wrap this up because, man, this has been draining just talking about this stuff again. Um, so that's it for this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about episodes 20 through 22 next week. Uh, that's the beginning of the final act of Evangelion, uh, which is called The Bitter End. Uh, you can email the podcast at evangelion at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at evangelion. Uh, April Lynn, where can people find you? They can find me on both Twitter and Instagram, and I am A.L. Cowett, uh, which is spelled A-L-C-A-O-U-E-T-T-E. And I guess you can also find me uh, on Facebook. I help run a community called the Love Thy Nerd Community, and you can just search for that in Facebook and join. We talk about all sorts of nerdy things. Yeah. I've actually read a, a bunch of articles from Love Thy Nerd and, like, really insightful if a uh, coming at things in angles I don't consider often, which I really do appreciate. Uh, you can find me. I don't have any organization like that, but uh, you can find me <laughs> at Galen Blade on Twitter. That's G-A-L-E-N-B-L-A-D-E. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you'd like to help us, uh, help us out, please leave us a review on your podcast service of choice. Uh, it really does help other people discover the show. Uh, our next episode uh, will be out on uh, August 21st. Uh, as we gear up to the end here. Uh, And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.